When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jonathan Pierce. The mad side of genius! Terry Alderton. <laughs> the Football Friendly. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, everybody. Welcome to JPT, the Football Friendly. Mr. Terence, how are you? I'm fine, I'm fine. I've been, uh, I'm, I'm into the world of, you know, you know, I'm in the uh, Crocodile Fighting League now. And, um, very, very dodgy weekend. But I, I won my first, first heat, so it's all good, man. It's all good. You're in the what? The Crocodile Fighting League. You not, you not know about it? You don't no. fight your crocodile against another crocodile. You get in and fight the crocodile. Oh, it's brilliant. It's a very big sport round my way. <laughs> Look at your face. Look, it's real. This is unbelievable. And, and I tell you and what. How big on. are the crocodiles? Oh, they're massive. They're like at least 15 feet, 15 feet. They all look very much like my wife, which is... And did you do your voices? Because that would scare them away. Oh, of course it all scares them away. I tell you what, didn't didn't scare anything away. We, we, I watched football the weekend as well while I was at it. And I tell you something, right? I'm, I'm going to going to mention that VAR again because that's that could be, you know, the irony of VAR. Before you butt in, I'm going to tell you this straight away: that ball was not over the line. Was over the line. It was out, right? And you know what game I'm talking about. And the oh, other three. thing is, if it comes down to three points and Newcastle beat Arsenal at the end of the season by three points, what's the point of VAR? It was uh, a waste of time. I, before we go to our guest, it wasn't just that. There was a push at the far post. Oh, there was a push at the far post Defender puts well. two hands on a foot. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a foul. I don't understand why the referee didn't see it. He's got two assistants. Assistants don't do anything you these see, days this anymore. This is assistants, the VAR, the crocodile fighting. It's just too much hard work for me. I don't and know. A, I, don't know. I, I don't know. Well, I, I, I was at uh, Sheppey United. I had Sheppey United for the World Feed against a... Walsall on Friday night, I saw 90 minutes of football, really competitive, really physical, not one player complained about being fouled, not one player brandished an imaginary yellow card at the Welcome referee, there wasn't a bit of dissent. The and then I did a Premier League game league. on Saturday, well, which was oh, no, 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 that. Let me just back up the lower leagues, that's why I watch it. Well, you watch that rubbish, because that's, we get to watch football. You don't get rolling around, you don't get any of that nonsense, so get up and get on with it. Just, just wanted it. to point that out. But where are, are they a county league now, Southend? <laughs> oh, you're a nasty man, aren't you? Hey, we're going to go to our guest in a moment. So, just before we do, yeah. See, I thought Pasquale was going to come on today. You told Joe me Pasquale was going to come on today. He was going to come on, but he's, he's can't do it, love. See, because he's doing a, he's doing a Christmas special with um, with Ainsley Harriet. So he was going to come on because of our, our guest, and he's, he knows nothing about football, love. But he's a huge Ted Lasso fan. Well, let's introduce our guest. You introduce our guest because oh, you mate, do this... first of all down at South End. Right, let's just put it straight, right? We we both love this man very much. He's he, he's going to hate this because he's sick and tired of this moniker, but it is a great moniker. He's the nicest man in football. He's the nicest man you're ever going to meet. Probably next to next to Colin McMillan. There's a little thing there. Colin's up there as well, but... He's a gorgeous human being. He's a brilliant footballer. Play for England. Play for Charlton. Play for the mighty South in United. Play for Derby. Managed Derby. Uh, was interim manager at Tottenham. It goes on and on. He's now a superstar. He's in the realms of Vinnie Jones and Cantona. I moved from soccer to movies and films. And <laughs> he's, he's, he's Chris Powell. 
How you doing, Paulie? What have I come on to? You took a oh, you've come on right in, and yes. But listen, really glad to be on, guys. And um, just just a footnote: everything was fine at Newcastle. Being a Spurs man, everything was fine. There was no <laughs> push. The ball was in. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm lying. There it I is. am lying. Wow. <laughs> I'm right though. We talk about this every week, Chris. It's boring, yeah. and, and but this this far thing, you know, is becoming a, it's a farce. I mean, if you can do goal line technology, then why don't we have line technology? It's like I said, if it came down to three points at the end of the season, and yeah. Newcastle win the league over Arsenal over three points, then VAR was a waste of time, complete waste of time this season. Forever. They asked for four extra cameras this year, you know, in the stadium. Oh. They got them. Wow. Yeah, and they're not credit they're crunch, mate. Ones. Credit crunch, can't have them. And they cut they um you know that that's an over we well, you're involved now where they don't have VAR Pauli at um at Sheffield Wednesday uh, as assistant manager to Danny Roll and you of course you were beaten at the future European champions um at the weekend. I take it it was Bristol City. Yeah, I know you got those Bristol links, JP. Uh, tight game, changed on the sending off. Um, the players are really buying into what uh, Danny and all the staff want. Um, we know it's a tall order. Actually, it's not over yet. You know, I said to the guys uh, a couple of weeks back, everyone's written us off. And, that, you know, it's uh, it's going to be a very, very difficult task. It's a task that we're prepared for. And we're getting better. Uh, we got over the first hurdle of the first win, which they never had, which was great in the local derby. Um, we know there's enough games. It's not like it's much. Mm. It's November. Yeah. Uh, there's plenty of points. Still plenty of games, but it will be tough. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, we're easily going to do it. It's going to be a, a very tall order. But let me tell you guys, the support of that football club mm. has just taken me aback. It is amazing. Mm. Um, 30,000 at the home game just on the last week. I think we had two and a half, three thousand at Bristol. We had 2,000 at Plymouth on a Wednesday night. I mean, it's 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 amazing, but it's a club that's been hurt. Um, it's had its issues. Um, had the most memorable playoff game you will ever see last, yeah, it's fantastic. last season. Um, but there's a long way to go to restore the club back to where everyone would like it to be in the blue half of Sheffield. So, you know, we, we're under no illusions. We've got a very, very tough job on our hands. And, um, you know, but we're, we're going to fight all the way through. No doubt. 50, it's 52 points are still the, the number where you definitely won't go down. I remember that. Was it 42 points or 52 is kind of the aim, isn't it? You're on six well, at the moment and 15 is safety. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, well, listen. But it's all doable. That's my point. Well, I wasn't having a go. Well, it's all doable. No, absolutely. It is, Terry. We're nine points from safety. When we first went in, um, it, it was in double figures. So, actually, it was 11. We've chipped away a little bit. Mm. It was eight at the weekend after losing that game. It's at nine. We have to keep it to single figures, and we just have to chip away at it. We really do. And, you know, there's no way it's just going to turn around. We're going to be in the top six, but what we have to do is just get results against teams in and around us. And then sometimes when you play a bigger team, it can go your way. We've seen it many a time. We just have to keep believing that with what 31 games to go. 
we have a chance and that's all we can do. Well, that, that's like Luton yesterday, isn't it? You know, uh, yeah. and by the way, Bill Leslie, who we all love, right? Uh, Bill said, he said, first time for Luton playing a true giant in English football. And what is this before? I, hold on. There was a first division before Premier League, wasn't there? It's like Alan Shearer, top goal scorer of all time. No, I think you find Ian Rush alone and, and the, the great uh, Stanley Matthews smashed his record by 100. It's ridiculous. Like, they played Liverpool before. What is that? It's madness. But you're right. They nearly come and stuck Liverpool yesterday, didn't they? So you get those results. What's, they what's did. That? And it, John Leslie said that. Or Bill Leslie, sorry. <laughs> John Leslie's uh, mate, brother. Yeah, yeah. Let's move on. Um, and uh, I thought, well, they played Spurs this year. They played Chelsea. Correct. Now, all right, regardless of the season, they're big clubs. Yes. So I was a little bit taken aback. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. But, they're now yeah, playing a true anyway. giant. Uh, but, yeah. but that's one point and my point as well Jonathan go on you have a go you have a go Jonathan yeah no I was just, just going to ask about Danny Rule, the manager you're working with because yeah. p- people won't know him really he didn't have a playing career he was, well he did He was. Uh, he's from the old East Germany he played for teams like Spickau and Eilenberg and, and um, lower, lower teams really but as a coach he was at Southampton for a little while he was at Bayern for a little while yeah. And he was the German assistant, wasn't he? What 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 yeah. is his what is his what is his mantra, Chris? What is his what is his what are his beliefs as a manager? Well, first of all, I mean, I, I'm old enough to be his dad. Um, oh so... no, that's the worst thing, isn't it? <laughs> You're old enough to be my dad, son. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cheers, Jay. Uh, Jay, please take you. <laughs> Very organised. Uh, really knows what he wants from everyone including the staff. Um, he's very humble. He wants to learn about the English game, more about the English game, more about Sheffield. Um, he wants to give people a, a chance. Um, but we know time's against us in that respect. Um, we know we can't do anything with regards to sort of players in or out to demo. But uh, I like the way he goes about his business. As you say, John, he's had Wonderful experience for such a young, fledgling coach, stroke manager, and uh, you know he, he can't fail not to have learned from Hassan Hootel, uh, from Hansi Flick. Um, Hansi uh, Flick, coaches, yeah, from the coaches at, uh, at Bayern, and you know he's bringing that to our game, but equally he wants to sort of marry it with our knowledge as well, you know, so. He's brought some German stuff with him, but there's myself and Neil Thompson. He's been around a long time. Neil has been at Sheffield for a long time, had a good career. Um, but, you know, we're so, sort of helping them balance of sort of the behaviours of the modern day player, the English player, the British player, and, you know, how things work. Uh, we've had lots of meetings, but really good information that, you know, the boys, the boys can't fail to learn, to be honest with you. And, you got- um, I just hope they take it on board. You got good players there. I mean, Barry Bannon. You know, mm. I know, I know he went at the weekend, but um, yeah. he uh, he's got still to be one of the one of the best players in that division, isn't he? Yeah, by country mile. Yeah, he's he's, a, he's a talented, talented footballer. Um, obviously, in the latter stages of his career now, but if we can manage him and get him in the areas that he can hurt other teams which we did really well last week. Uh, and he's enjoying it. You know, I spoke to him recently. Uh, and he's someone that we can use to help us, you know, achieve what we'd like to achieve. And 
there's a couple of young players I think will develop. Um, but obviously, times against us a little bit. We have to get we have to get wins. We have to get points. You know, and we have to be better than at least three other teams. And at the moment, uh, it looks a very tall order. But you know, one thing we're going to do, we're going to have the mentality, and we're going to have the suppose the sort of siege together in a siege mentality where we just feel that, you know, regardless of who we're playing against, we're going to do our best to get a result because we have to do that. It just puts last season's hard work to waste if we don't do our best to, you know, try and stay in the championship. You're talking about togetherness there and also Barry Bannon, uh, former Palace player like yourself. So I'm going to link the two because people um, don't, uh, a, lot, a lot of people don't know this, but you're a South London boy, Chris, a Lambeth boy, um, yeah. originally, aren't you? And, and you went to Range Park High School around about yeah. the same time Wrighty was at school, and you came to you came through together, didn't you, really, about the same time at Palace in Wright? <laughs> would, would, he, would he be one of the best you've ever you've ever played with? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow, yeah. I mean, if you're talking about strikers I've played with, I'm very lucky to play with quite a a few different ones, Stan Collymore, Darren Bent, Paolo Di Canio, um, you know, Dean Sturridge, who's a very good goal scorer at, at Derby. Um, you know, I go, I go for all the teams, you know, Matty Fright scored 20 odd goals for Leicester, got promoted. All very different. Brett Angel. Different styles. Brett Angel, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I should miss him, miss him out, especially for you, Terry. Um, you know, Clive McDonker. I'm thinking back now. I've played with so many really good strikers. Fortunate to have, you know, been on a coaching staff with one of the Monday greats now with Harry Kane. But Ian Wright came from non-league, joined Harris from school. He was a few years older than me. Um, but even though he was raw, you could just see the talent and... Um, he was he was built to play at the highest level. He was built yeah. to play on the highest stage. Ian yeah. Wright. He's um, one of my favourites. Ian Wright is definitely yeah, it, love Wright. I think he's a lot of people because I think when you look at him and look at his story, I think he was a builder. He was a brick player. That's the thing. He's everyone thinks. Sorry, to, just come in there, Chris. Just so, so yeah. everyone knows, they always everyone thinks that he was like found late as a schoolboy. He wasn't. He was something like twenty one, twenty two, playing on Hackney 22. Marshes so on Sunday was, football. He was playing he, for a team called Ten MB. That's right. Yeah. Drainage Borough. Um, you know, people always claim they they were the first ones to see him. Um, I think it was Peter Prince, but I'm not sure. A late Peter Prince, but um, he found his way to Palace, and Steve Coppel just just straight away said, "This is a player that's going to play for mm. us." Put him straight in. Rest is history. I That's mean, a great story, just, really, isn't it? Right. Yeah, it's a, it is. It's a great it's story. It's inspiring. It's inspiring, yeah. really. Yeah. Especially yeah. when boys get released or they're schoolboys at 16, 17, 18, and it, it's still happening now. It's very hard to keep them in the game. Hmm. But when you see someone like that who actually didn't give up on his dream, um, was earning money as a labourer, then gets picked up by a pro club. I think with Ian... He maybe felt, I'm not going to miss this opportunity. I'm 22, so actually I'm going to make the most of it. And boy, you know, he certainly did. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah I, got, I got the standard letter when I was fit. I broke my leg, right, at, uh, when I was mm. down there at, uh, in, at Bristol. 
City, and uh, I wasn't gonna. I would never have been good enough. Let's just get that straight out there. Yeah, you know, I couldn't get up and back in the same week, uh, let alone the same ninety minutes. And um, <laughs> and uh, anyway, but, but then I got the day I came out of plaster, I got the letter saying they weren't going to take me on, and, yeah. and no one at the club ever spoke about it. But I worked at the club because we did the the video analysis. First club in Europe ever to do. I've said it many times on the podcast with my dad, and then um, just a few. And we did the video analysis, and then they got me my job. They got me my first job. So though they didn't, you know, they didn't ever explain to me if, if I'd had the letter saying you're rubbish, that 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 would have that would have been closure for me. But I never had that closure. Well, I got the bomb letter as well, but it was typed. They were the days when it was yeah, actually yeah, someone yeah. typed it on headed paper, and it comes yeah. through, and you're reading it, going, "Oh, it's like your whole world's just finished." I, I, I remember I reading mine. Notes. I was like, "Oh my god!" Did you? Pally? Did you? Yeah, well, you got see, a few notes, yeah. yeah I've there got you a few go. Those types as well, and I've got them somewhere. Uh, I don't know. You're not are, good but, enough, uh, Chris Powell, and you went, "I well, am." I was just asking for a trial. Yeah, I came through very, very late. Um, I was fifteen, sixteen. Um, and just left school or was about to leave school when I, I joined so you know I was very like not the traditional sort of been there since he was six or eight um, so I wrote off for trials and just got the standard type letter like you <laughs> to be fair um, as well Paulie uh, talking about writing in late late stages and I'm not knocking my beloved South End United but that Paulie was there for uh, nearly 300 games right it, it, uh, that was only in something like six years, right? And then you became a mature footballer, and so you would think, "Well, that's it. You're going to be staying in those leagues." And all of a sudden, you went do 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 do, and then you're playing for England. And it was incredible. I remember when I this this Jonathan, I I got a lottery job with Lulu years ago. You know, this is my big break on television, and one of the first people to text me, "Congratulations!" and I wish you all the best for tonight was Chrissy Powell. Look at that. Yeah. And then so I I went straight back as soon as he got that England call. I was like, "Oh, go on, Fowley." So it was a lovely <laughs> moment that. A lovely yeah. moment. Can I just ask you one thing, taking it completely off topic, guys? Well, also last night, Luton, uh, apparently Jurgen Glopp said that um, they couldn't get changed in the Luton dressing room because it wasn't big enough. They had to get changed in their hotel rooms. Now, <sighs> you straight about away, the team or staff? This is the point I'm coming to. Because, yeah, I mean, okay. where have we got... This is like American football now. Is it, they, they wouldn't want to get changed in the away dressing room at South End, even though that's been extended. Can you imagine that, Pauly? But um, tell me this. I've played in quite a few grounds, been lucky enough. I know Sheffield Wednesday, as you come up the tunnel and left the away dressing room, is like a box on the corner, isn't it? Like that wooden box as you come yeah. up the, the channel, which is probably yeah. maybe not going to be big enough. If Luke, What's Luton's dressing room like then? Is it tiny? How small so, is it? From from memory, the away team dressing room is quite deliberate and and, and rightly so. You want to make it tough for anyone. Of course you do. There. It's enough just for the players. Oh, really? It's very <laughs> tight. <you know? laughs> so it's a bit like South End's dressing room. For all that, that, it, that, not that anyone it, knows that, but it certainly is. Derek. It certainly yeah. is. Just slightly bigger, not much. Um, I'm not sure. Welcome to Luton. You know, this is the yeah. Kenny. So I don't blame them. I really no, don't. No, do I. Maybe the staff had to get changed um, elsewhere at the hotel. Um, but there'd be enough spaces because Premier League rules dictate you have to add enough spaces for uh, the squad of, what, 20. So I'm sure there'd be 20 spaces, maybe 21 or 22. Wow. And that'd be it. Yeah. But more, more backroom staff now go to game. Premier League clubs send more backroom staff to, to uh, matches than they send players. It's unbelievable. Yeah. You know, in the days when you started, Pearl, it would have been a manager, an assistant, a yeah. physio, yeah. 
That's well, Gailey, it. Gailey said 45 is the average. Didn't no, he? That's, that's I mean, you take 45 is the average. Two coaches now. There's two coaches for Premier League. One for the staff and yeah. one for the players. That's crazy. You have to. Yeah. You yeah. have to. <laughs> Well, so you've got the guy, the guy who's going to point you where you've got. See, he comes out the pointer. Like you've got to go there, and you go there, and he sits back down again. <laughs> yeah, I tell yeah. you what, as well, talking about the fans and, and dressing rooms and, and what have you, and you were saying about the wonderful fans at Sheffield uh, Wednesday. Two million quid they stumped up, didn't they? As well, didn't they? <laughs> Two million quid. Do you know about this, Jonathan? No, they haven't. <laughs> What's this I, for? I heard that they, they, they had a tax problem. <laughs> And they did a they did a GoFundMe. The fans went here two million. Is no. that rubbish? Is that rubbish? Have I read it on the rubbish page? Well, I'm sure you read the statement by the club owner, but uh, no, he, he, he paid the money. Oh, he, he did then. Making, oh, he certainly did. Yeah. Oh right, okay. I sleep in there. Sorry, you're not doing well. I just joined. <laughs> You, you, Chris Powell you, comes into a club. It's typical, typical me that would be. Two weeks later, he's out because of my being on a podcast. That's <laughs> another thing that's changed, isn't it? The, the relationship between players and like the owners and that. I mean, when you were at South End, we got to go back to those South End days. Well, it's an interesting story for anyone. I know I'm a South End fan, but you know, let's find out about Chairman. You know, Ron Martin's one of those ones. Uh, he can't probably talk about this either. Does he still owe you money as well? <laughs> I, I think he still owes still Steve Tilson. I think still owed. <laughs> you, you, you had wonderful days there, though, didn't you, Southampton? Oh yeah, it's the as best. A, as a player, he was the best, John. Yeah, brilliant. We loved I him. I always man. say to people, even though um, you know, started at Palace, and my formative years were there. Really, uh, for me. As a professional, it started at Southland. You know, I started to play regularly. Had a very tough manager who I love and still call boss whenever I see him, David Webb. Oh, yeah. Uh, kick you up the arse. Would he kick you up the arse? He'd kick you. Cool. If you didn't run. Certainly would. But we yeah. knew what we had to do. Uh, there was no grey areas. Uh, we always played the same way. We had a good, hard-working young team. Mm-hmm. A little bit of experience with people like Dave Martin, Ian Benjamin. Paul Sampson. Oh, bench. But we had some really young players, up and coming Dean Austin, Andy Anser, um, Steve Tilson. Justin would have Spencer been there as well, Pryor. wouldn't he? Justin well, I, took, I took Justin's place. He went to Spurs. Spurs, right. They signed me as a left yeah. back. Edinburgh, so, by the way, everyone. Edinburgh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, RIP Justin. But yeah. I, um, you know, I always say those years made me as a player. Yeah. It really Who? made me. And then. Because I was playing regularly, and there was always talk that I was going to leave. At one point, I was going to Man City. Uh, it didn't happen. There was talk of West Ham and Arsenal. Never happened. And I ended up going to Derby, the same league. But, you know, in those years I was there, uh, Cherry would remember we got promoted from League Two. I joined League One, uh, as it is now. It was Division Four and Three then. And then we went straight up to the championship and we stayed in the championship, you know, for a club that size and the support, support was really good, especially on Friday nights. Yeah, the Friday nights, yeah. Friday nights were brilliant. uh, Yeah. Because one, we could go out in the evening. Yeah. And we had the weekend off as well. Turtle Bay. Turtle Bay. Churchill's. Was was, um, 
Did uh, Barry come in? Were you under Barry at any point, Fry? That's right, yeah. Yeah, you were under Barry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Phil, Phil would have come in. Grid, 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 would, yeah, because Grids would have come in then, wouldn't he? We were that's really talking South End stuff. Yeah. yeah, that's where Grid I met back. Phil. So, and we still speak every now and then. Um, yeah, I mean, like David Webb. Oh, that's Colin Murphy. Sadly, he's just recently passed yes, away. Yes, yeah. Uh, Peter Very Taylor. Barry Fry. Steve Thompson and then Ronnie Whelan uh, Ronnie were you there for, you were there when Ronnie was there as well Ronnie sold me, Ronnie sold me to I was going to say I thought you'd gone by it. Ronnie was a laugh no. Ronnie let's come back oh, yeah. and talk about because I want to talk about style of management now that how, how that's changed and our managers it's almost when you went back to Southend as a manager it's almost impossible at that level now to have a successful yeah. side this is it's almost and we'll ask why we'll ask Paulie why in a couple of minutes let's just take a quick break Football friendly. Welcome back to JPNT, the football friendly. Our guest today is Chris Powell. Oh, oh, Chrissy Powell, Powell, Powell. Chrissy Powell, Powell, Powell. Has that followed you everywhere, Chrissy? Is that, does everyone sing that to you, or is it just South End fans that sang that? Maybe South End to you. Ah, all right then. Okay. Sorry, sorry, Jonathan, for your wonderful introduction to Chris yeah, Powell. We've got to talk about England debut uh, in a minute under, under Sven, but we were just before oh, yeah. the break, we were talking about. How impossible it is for managers. Uh, you talk about Ronnie Whelan who went into Southend after his playing career. wasn't a great success. Uh, Paulie returned to Southend as a manager back in January 18. Left in March t- uh, 2019, I think it was. And um, because it's just, Chris, why is it impossible at that level to have great success or longevity as a manager? Uh-huh. It's a really good question, JP, because yeah. I think you've got to look at the finance and the stability of clubs in League One, League Two, it's very hard. It's very hard. You know, you look at uh, someone like Wrexham come up, the stability and the financial clout that they have will give them a better chance to progress and succeed. And then if you're a smaller club that doesn't have the cash injection that really sort of works above its means it's still very hard to compete to get the good players because of the level of money you're paying. Now, that happens at Premier League as well. We're seeing with teams like Luton up against, you know, Manchester City and Arsenal and Liverpool. But at League One, League Two, you know, it, it, it's so hard. It, invariably, the bigger sides in the main are the ones that are successful, the ones that have the money, the ones that have the squads can pay more. Invariably, you get the odd team that is an outlier. But normally, you know, you, you saw it last year. Uh, Ipswich went up. Um, a real, they've been taken over a real cash injection from League One. They've gone up and they can bounce again. Now, you have to get it right on the field. And Kieran McKenna is doing that. But equally, you know, he managed to bring in championship players at League One level. That's always the difference. If you can get a player, you know, I can actually say when I was manager of Charlton, um, I actually bought in players that could play higher because we could afford to. Mm-hmm. So someone like Dale Stevens, who ended up in the Premier League, managed to entice him to Charlton, and we're the strongest squad. We're the strongest team, no doubt. So teams like South End, when when they were only in the league. I mean, you're just, you're, you're chasing your tail, basically. And you see so many clubs now. And 
I find it so hard to, to see now that they just struggle. They just struggle. They're trying to compete in the league that other teams just got double their budgets and it, it's very hard. And then you've got a squad of players, you know, you have agents now, you had social media and it's a lot harder to be a manager, I would say now, than it was when I was playing for someone like Southend. David Webb could just go and get a player from a Premier League side. I came from a Premier League reserve side at Crystal Palace. Just wanted an opportunity. I could go now. Um, the money he offered me, you, you might get double, triple that another club in the same league and you'll end up going there. I just wanted a chance and got it one. Well, the other thing is as well is with with being a lower league fan, you bring a player through as blinding. Of course, he's gonna he's gonna go. <laughs> That's he the goes, other thing. Yeah. He's gone. Yeah, there's no secrets anymore. I mean, even Terry, when I was managing Southend, you know, uh, uh, I played Drew Yearwood regularly. I gave Nathan Bishop his uh, his debut, and within no time at all, Drew ends up at Brentford. He's now mm. playing for New York Red Bulls. Bishop uh, goes to Manu. Uh, he's not Sunderland. There's no secrets. You can't keep players anymore. No. It's very rare. I mean, I was almost planning if we sold Drew while I was there, could we loan him back? Um, right. Just because I just felt it gave you a better chance to try and, you know, build, stay in the league or actually try and get in the top half. Isn't that a ridiculous irony, though? Sorry, just butting there on you, Chris. But yeah. what you just said is so poignant that you could sell the player and then maybe loan him back. So why are you buying the player in the first place if you're quite happy to loan him back? It, it's Well, <sighs> some clubs do it more as sort of, I mean, Chelsea's the biggest model where they buy players and they loan them out. I mean, there's some players that have been at Chelsea for five, six years and never played one yeah. game. They just go out and get loaned. And at lower league, sometimes you need the money initially. So you take the money for them to help the players' development, um, playing regularly for six months to a season at League One is better than playing 21's football. Mm. So actually, you do see that happen quite a bit where Premier League teams will buy a young player and then either loan him back to that club or try and loan him to a club maybe slightly bigger than the one they bought him from to develop him. And it's just so, the way of the world. It's so just sell your house and then rent it back. Also, you got you got German. <laughs> I mean, German, German of all German have always been a weird breed. But Rob but Martin. I think back back in the day, you had Germany really. Harry Dolman, who was a great chairman of Bristol City, knew football, um, really knew football, and he was a he was an innovative innovative man in many ways. But you get other ones coming in now. Now it's going to be difficult for Pauli to talk about this man, but you got people come in like Roland <laughs> Duchatel at, at Charlton Athletic. And what was he trying yeah. to get out of Charlton Athletic? What was he trying? Right, this this is a man, and he's a politician. I'm sure he's a brilliant uh, businessman in microelectronics. He was, he owned lots yeah. of multinationals. So I'm sure that that's brilliant. Look, Standard Liège, he owned. Supporters wanted him out. He left Charlton Athletic. You you tell me about the experience there with him. The fans wanted him out. He sold the club. He, he held on to the ground, didn't he, in the training ground? Yeah. But this yeah. was a man who brought in players to set. He brought in players, Christian, and said, you've got to play him, even if you didn't Basically, want to play him. Really? Yeah. Basically, that, that wow. was it. And, you know, I, I stood my ground. He felt it was the way it should work for clubs that he had, and that's fair enough. That's his clubs. But what I don't get is 
well, what's your what's your legacy? What's it going to be? You know, is it you're just trying to earn money, or are you trying to help the football club develop and have a, a sort of a not a short term plan, but a long term plan? But of course, you deal with the immediate. We didn't get on. I moved on. It's simple as that. But I just what I don't get in football now, and you know, I'm getting old. Is we have people that come in, own clubs, and they have no plan for it other than to either flip it, move it on, a property deal. And we, we have allegedly fit and proper tests. And these people still come in and own clubs. I just mm. don't get it. You know, it definitely works for Wrexham. They've done it in a different way. And they've been true to their word. And you just see people coming in and owning clubs. And they have don't really want to know about the local community. I really want to invest into them. I really want to build the club and actually go, okay, your training facilities are not at the standard. Let's build a club that actually, not only the football club will benefit, but the local community in the area. You know, you just see it time and time again. I mean, Dushalai still owns, still owns the Valley and Sparrows Lane. Uh, How can that be? Yeah, that's no, they, they, you. You have to sell it lock stock. You've got to. You can't. Oh, these, that should be a rule. You, I mean, can you put ruling on people owning property? Mm. Well, right. So the why, why has it got it? It's quite easy. It's property. It's land, mm. which, which is worth a lot of money. So especially where that ground you know, is. If you knock that down and build houses, good grief. <laughs> Don't yeah. even say that, Terry. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I listen, that. I don't want to say yeah. that to Charlton fans because it's a beautiful yeah. ground and, you know, and a great club. But, you know, you're saying it and we all know that this is a possibility that people are coming. I would also argue the fact, and I'm going on about South End again, I, I truly believe that Ron came in all those years ago to get to this point where we'd ring fence it and go right try and get it off me and I, I know that's going on because this deal's gone through and someone's buying the club it's not gone through yet mate it's not yeah, gone through no. yet and so there's more to it than that sticky it's sticky well you do Terry you always think there's something more to it correct you know, there, 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 there must be something more to it and listen we're talking about Ron now Ron's obviously put money into that club he has no doubt he has. But for what reason, but Chris? It's be an end game. Not for football for reasons. All these people. Because, because be Charlton, game. where Charlton is, is worth a lot more than when South End is. But if you put, <clears throat> excuse me, if you put flats on where Roots Hall is and people don't know, just get on Google Maps, you'll see. It's a prime area for property and it would be a very, very, very worthwhile selling it for him financially. More than football would ever be for him. Yeah. Yeah, one of, one of the things that's got to change in the game is fitting proper people uh, yeah. that, that, that test. Correct, they've, got have, they, they've yeah. got to have people who are steeped in football on that panel. Steeped in football on that panel, as they have in, in other ways. And there has to be one of the big things that has to change. And I'm going to bring us on to this now, Chris, is diversity in the management game. With your pedigree with your, and, and what you've done and the managers you've worked with, the managers you've worked under, the experiences you've had. Let's talk about England and we'll go to the debut in a minute. But you were you worked for England, I think, four years, was it, uh, Chris, as a, as a coach? Uh, and, three and, years, and, yeah. And, and you're, that's, you're it. You're the only person of black ethnic background that I can remember being there. I think, um, uh, who is it? The striker might be on board now. Is Jimmy there uh, Jimmy now? Floyd's there, Jimmy yeah. Floyd and is and there Paul now. Nubbin. Yeah. So, but it's, it's too little. And why is that still? We're talking 2023. 
Why yeah. is you know, that still I'll just happening? butt in very quickly there, and that's a question for... But I saw Paul Parker ask the same question, and Paul Parker's... Not Paul Parker. Uh, sorry, Paul Ince. I do apologise, Park, mm. Paul Parker. I'm just going to throw this in the pot here, Chris. He turned around and said, it's nothing to do with that, what you're saying, Jonathan. He says, there's not enough black guys coming through taking their badges. That was his argument. There's not enough guys coming but through. Why not? And what, no, not for anything. That they just people of ethnicity, if you want to say, I just aren't into it. Maybe they don't want to do it. Chris, that's what, good, that's what Incy said. That's all I'm it's saying. A good point. It's a good point, Terry. And I think, I've got to be honest, I think it's... It is opportunity, but it also there is um, you resistance know, you to encourage. Yes, uh, there you go. Players to get qualified, but that's happening now, Terry. I think where we're getting to now is actually it's going to be a very slow change. You know, change comes at a, a pace. It does. Change yeah. in life, change in society comes at a pace. Sometimes it's immediate. <laughs> Other times it can be very, very slow. And I just think in this instance, it's going to be very slow. There's a lot of black Asian coaches at academy level. There's a lot more players now taking their qualification. There's a lot more trying to get involved in the game at all levels. Mm -hmm. And I think what's visible is always the highest level because everyone watches the Premier League, everyone watches EFL football. And that's where everyone wants to change. And I just think it will be very slow. You do still have to break down barriers. You still have to break down people's ideas of what they want to see um, and getting used to that. And I just think it's going to take time, you know. And people want it now. I want it now. I want to, I want to see more black coaches and managers. I do. Of course I do. But all I can do is do myself justice and show people it's doable. Um, and that's why, you know, I'm now at an EFL club. I've been with England. I've been at Spurs in the academy. I've managed, you know, I'm a football man. I, I don't really care what role it is. If it suits me, I'm mm. going to do it. Mm. And I think, And I think we've got to just look at the idea of encouraging others. You know, that's where I'm at now. I'm trying to be a role model, encourage others. Actually, it's doable. I finished my career at 40. I'm now 54. I've been coaching and managing since I've ended the game. Mm. And so can you. It, it's quite hard, actually, to encourage Premier League players because, actually, they look at it and think, do I really want to go for a degree? If they've been sensible, they don't have to go and stay in the game. They can go no. in other areas of the game or they can go and do something else. Um, but it's encouraging maybe ones that feel my career's done every footballer has to have a second career every footballer <laughs> even yep. if they've done very well from the game you can't play golf every day that's nonsense oh, no. so actually you have to encourage others and you have to show people it's doable and you know Jermaine Defoe someone very very successful in the game was at Spurs with me last year He's still there now. He wants to get in. He wants to break in. Now, he he's willing to... He's done his, his B qualification. It'd be his A next. He's trying to get experience amongst the uh, young academy boys. And that's someone, you know, it's going to take him time. Yeah. It's not going to happen now. 
No. But actually, it's a long-term plan. And he's just finished his career. And it might be in two, three, four years' time. Hopefully, he will stick at it. I really mm. hope he does. Because it has to be someone like that to get in. that Actually, others go, you know what, I can do it. Mm. You know, it's a very small uh, demographic, the black population. And I know people equate it to, you know, the amount of black players in the game. But you've got to remember, a lot of those players will, are from abroad, a lot will return home. Some will stay here and live here. Some will go into other areas, um, other businesses. Some will stay in the game in some capacity. I just think the ones that are in there and have um, vital roles, the people that are academy managers, obviously I've, I've been you know, in all different sort of... I've, I've managed Championship, League One, been assistant, and being in the national team. You just hope you inspire others that there's a place for you. There's a place in the open to it. That's right. Ni- 1964, Sam Cook sung a song, Change Gonna Come, right? <laughs> yeah. It's a long time ago. Correct. Well, but there's a point there, ago. isn't there? There's a point a, there. In fact, you know what? Just quickly on music. I don't, was he, were we out one night, right? This is a, it's not a great story, Jonathan, but I'll never forget this. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was me and you. It was, a, it was, I can't work out if it was you and I and a few out in a club, or it was Eddie Steen that said this to me. Oh, Steeny, right? And I said, what is this tune that came on? It came on, right? And it was either you or Steeny looked at me and went, this, Terry, is Funky NASA by Funky NASA. <laughs> I'm going to say Ed Steen. Do you reckon it was Steeny? It was Steeny, oh, wasn't it? Because I never went out, Terry. I never went out. I never It's going to be Steeny, isn't it? I could just remember one of you looking at me going, this, Terry, is Funky NASA by Funky NASA. <laughs> So it was Steenie, was it? I would say so, yeah. Ah, yeah. I love it, love it. It's like me saying I'll never have a drink on the night before a com- on a commentary. On a commentary. Yeah. I never have I'm a drink sure. before a commentary. Well, not, not in the 10 minutes leading up to a commentary anyway. But um, inspiration, <laughs> talk about inspirational stories there, right? I think it was, was it 2001? What an inspiration. So I got to New Powley when he was down at Charlton as a player and I was working for Capital Gold and we sort of had mm-hmm. free access to Sparrows Lane down there and, it, you know, Kerb, Alan Kerbishy was wonderful to me, a really wonderful man. And um, so I got to know Powley there and a smiling face and, the, and that, oh, and yeah. so, and so welcoming <laughs> and so, and everything yeah, else. And then, and then all of a sudden, our, and we were coming to the end of our England uh, contract there and we, we thought we were going to lose it to people who pay a higher amount and all of a sudden Pauli's there Pauli's playing for England against Spain at uh, Villa Park wasn't it Chris I think it was well, and yeah. Um, yeah yeah. what a story I mean what was that like oh John I mean that has stayed with me forever you know you're in England or ex-England forever wow um, and just leading up to it and the whole experience just just bizarre I mean looking back um, knew Sven to be fair to him he was going to every game um, every Premier League team um, he came to a number of our games and the rumours were he was looking at you know two or three others my name wasn't mentioned um, and then it was the Friday before we played Coventry away um, that I turned up in the and and, and and uh, Jeanette, 
who was the old press officer, I got there and she said, look, you know, there's a few, there's a few media rats around um, we need to see you in. I said, why? Well, there's rumours that you're, you're in the squad, you're in the press that day, and bought a paper. And, um, yeah, after training, I get pulled to Curves' office, and uh, this is how old this is, and I'm thinking, oh, Whenever you get called to Kurt's office on a Friday, you're getting drops. <laughs> that, that was the way it was. And I went up and I thought, oh, I'm not playing. And he said, oh, I've just got to hand you this. And it was a fence. So that's how old it is. Right. And he said, um, it's from the FA and it's got your name on it. You've been chosen for the <gasps> next squad. And I, no, I, mean, I couldn't believe it. And it, obviously the boys found out. Uh, and then I went downstairs and the clapped and it was great and... Brian just went bonkers. Then he left Sparrow Lane to the hotel at Coventry. Uh, everyone was trying to get an interview. I was sitting at the back of the coach because it was the only place I could really sort of speak to everyone. I think JP must have called, thinking that's a goal. And then that was it. You know, the, all eyes were on me. The Coventry game, I remember speaking to Mervyn Dale after the warm up, and I said, Everyone's looking at me, you know, and it just it just felt different. Mm-hmm. Um, but got through the game and then met with the squad on the Sunday. Uh, that was kind of surreal, uh, especially when I put the sort of England training kit on for the first time. Yeah, wow. You know, I mean, that's like a boy's dream because I had the old, and you two remember, I had the old kit at Keegan and Brooking War with the sort of red and blue at the top. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I think it was from 82. Yeah. Or maybe a bit later. H2 Spain. Yeah. So that was the only kit I had. was an 11, 12-year-old. Um, and then I had the real kit. And I remember when I found out I was playing. And the only way I found out was he handed out the bibs. I looked at the team and I saw Rio. I saw Bex. I saw Skulls. I'm thinking, I think I'm playing. You know, it was really bizarre. I think I'm playing <laughs> Oh and my! Sure enough, yeah, I was. I played against Spain uh, on my wife's birthday, February twenty eighth. Uh, yeah, the rest is history. I didn't want to be a one cap member. That's for certain. I only got five in the end, um, but five more than I thought. You know, I Mate, thought, don't worry I thought, about that. I thought it passed me by. I really did. I thought it that's the whole. Me by. That's I was... what I was saying earlier in the podcast. This, that's the point. You know, we were talking about Ian Wright and the, you know, it getting there late. And then you, well, you're 31, I think, weren't you, when you got yeah, that? Yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah. And then obviously on Sophia's yeah. birthday, that you obviously never lived that down because we're all married. We know how that works. You know, you, you played on my birthday. I mean, come on, yeah. <laughs> Back then, do you remember when you played on my birthday? But it is it's a beautiful story, man. Yeah. And and, yeah. and you know the other thing is as well, as little as it is, those teams that you play for, you know, that every single fan would have been so made up for you. Because of the nature of what Chris Powell is, I don't want to blow your ego here, but you already you know, just such a he's people, he's such a lovely human being. I know we always say this about Chris Powell. There's few people you meet in life and they're just just a spirit he's spiritually beautiful this human being and 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 you you were you would deserve it of that and you would deserve it of all the fans would have been behind you chris because i I know i remember everyone just buzzing we were all buzzing for you yeah i know Uh, i actually thanked i remember at the time 
I thank all my clubs, even all the shot that I went on loan to yeah. uh, when I was 19. And right back to my school, I just said, you know, the journey I've had since then, you've all played a part in me mm. just playing on that night, you know, and wearing that shirt. So, oh, yeah. Brilliant. Such a beautiful yeah, story. And I, rem- I, remember, I remember getting through on the phone and uh, Christian's JP at Capital Gold, can we do an interview? Yes, I'm a very busy man, JP. I'll give you 10 seconds. He was a changed man. He was a changed man. No, he didn't. Not he's a nice guy. Did I did I say, I'm sure I said speak to my advisor. I'm sure I did. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Speak to my people. Get your people to speak to which, my... <laughs> which, of course, now he can do in a different realm, right? Not just in a footballing realm, but we're going to get to that shortly, the uh, TV star that you are now, <laughs> which is hilarious. How did that come about? Ted Lasso. Yeah, yeah amazing. I mean, <laughs> what a show, eh? What a show. Oh, um, right. Again, longing story, but I'll keep it as brief as I can. Uh, <laughs> what was at South End? I spoke to a player's agent, and I'll give him a name check. Rob Wadsworth, he works for Digital Sports Management. And uh, he looks after a lot of players, a lot of top players. Uh, he looked after a player at, uh, at South End, and we got on quite well. You know, I always gave him the time to speak about his client. And uh, we just got on really well. Because um, I know it can be quite hard for a lot of advisors. And then I um, left South End and I got a call from him. Must have been, I don't know, three, four months after that. And he said, a, a, a script has landed on my desk <laughs> about an American football coach taking over a Premier League team. And he said, you know, they're, they're, they're making this pilot. Um, and they need someone to coach the, the players. And I said, well, first off, that's not going to work, is it, really? As a premise for a show. Um, he said, they need someone to just coach the and advise the director uh, with the players and would look. I said, well, look, I'm not doing anything at the moment. I'll pop along. Went to the studios over in West London. Um, obviously, they're actors. Yeah. Or support actors. SA's not extras. You know, it's something yeah, else I learned. Supported artists, you have to call them now. Yeah, SA's, that's yeah. right. Yeah. So, um, and it was actually okay. And I would go there maybe two, three times a week. And I would say, director, look, this is what a sort of possession drill would look like or a passing practice, or attack v defence. That's what it would look like. Um, if you want it here and you're filming over there, that's no problem. And it was all great. But then what happened, guys, was, um, as you know, I've done the odd bit on TV as a pundit, a child game, or the game, or Derby Plus I played for. And I did, a, I did a Sky game live, and one of the production team had seen me. They'd ah. seen me the night before. I said, "Isn't that the guy who's been coming in coaching the the other support the the SAs?" And um, when I came in the next time, they said, "Look, we need a co-com for Arlo White, um, and we wanted someone who'd been in football and someone seen you the night before or a couple of nights before. Would you do it?" And I said, "Well, okay. Well, what just one off and." So well, no, actually, it might be quite ongoing. Depends on how the series goes, and that was it. That was basically it. 
And 35 years I've been in this business. 35 <laughs> years! <laughs> so, <laughs> you just I, get I, that, I, do you? Yeah. <laughs> well, I think they, they commissioned 10 episodes for season one. And I think it was in the balance. I think they weren't sure mm. if it would be uh, the success it has been. And I'll tell you why it has been. Because of lockdown. Simply because of lockdown. Of course, the writing and the jokes mm. and the actual premise of the show is first class. But I think lockdown just made it grow a real following that, right. you know, has just I get you. Where people were going, what's, what's worth watching? And someone's gone, what's this Ted Lasso thing? You know what I mean? That yeah. would have, that's what you're getting at, isn't it? Because to be fair, yeah. as Apple, Apple stands, I, I don't know any of their other, other show, shows, but that is massive. I mean, it's huge yeah. now, isn't it? It's such a big, yeah. big show. And I, I, I hadn't watched it, and I, I hadn't, but my wife, who hates football, absolutely adores it, right? And she's going, have you seen yeah. this show? And I walked in, I literally walked in, and she went, I think this is Chris Powell. And I went, what? <laughs> <laughs> I think I was screaming at the telly, 35 years! 35 years I've been looking for a big part. That's <laughs> Listen, he's, he, we've, got, we've come to an end because we've, we've run oh, out of time. It's such a shame, man. We could go on and on with this. Yeah, we could. Oh, quick I've got name stuff chat, about... Quick, st- quick, quick <laughs> chat there, Terry, oh. for Arlo White, who Chris works with because yeah. on Ted Lasso, because Arlo's one of the nicest men in, in, in the world. He's one of the nicest men in the world. So um, the, the two of them together, that's quite fitting, I think, because we've had the nicest man in football on today. Yeah, we have. Yeah, The nicest he's, man in football. He's a, he's a dear friend. And I'll tell you what I'll try and do. There's a brilliant... I'll put it on our uh, on our link on our um, on our Twitter account or oh, X or whatever it's called now. It's uh, JPNT the uh, of JPNT football. There's a great if Paulie doesn't mind. There is a great picture of me and Jonathan and um, what's his name? He used to be the oh god, I'm so old. Uh, another lovely man who was the who was the Brighton manager and Newcastle manager and Chris Hewton, me and Jonathan having a photo. It is the best photo bomb. Of all time, right? And I'll put it on our Twitter. And if you can spot oh, Pauli, yeah. it's the funniest bomb. It's like, it takes you a while to suddenly go, look at Pauli. Yeah. <laughs> I'll football put it on our Twitter. Yeah, football football yes. yeah, it was, yeah, it's a brilliant picture. And I'll put it up on the Twitter and I, you can have I a look go, at it. I go to those every year. I've been going to, the, well, I don't know, back into the 80s. And when I go there, Pauli, they go, oh, look, he's still around. He's still <laughs> here. I'll tell you what, I'm still here and I don't plan to go away. And I hope you don't go away, Chris. I hope you, I hope no, you serve football wonderful. for years and years. And I hope you have great success. It's been he a joy to speak to you, mate. Joy. Yeah, thanks for coming on, right. Chris. Chris Powell, Brilliant. everyone. Sports Social Podcast Network.